um, Christina. So, yeah, and that was a great testimony about all the guys who came out here and about the crew. Those are just great things the Lord's doing. Thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen. We're going to... Res- we're going to receive an offering. We're going to let the kids go, though, cause, so Tony won't get mad at me. I don't want Tony mad at you. So the children and Pam Jolly is going to come out here. <clears throat> and we want, Now's the time we want all your money. So we're not embarrassed to talk about money in the church anymore. So we want all your money. So give all your money as the p- plate passes. Even if it's just a little bit, we'll take a little. Amen. Lord, we pray for all the money that's in this room this morning would be released (laughs) for your kingdom, Lord, for the glory of God. Bless everybody, Lord. I just pray that people who are suffering financially this morning, that there'd be a breakthrough. And, Lord, they would see you as their provider, Jehovah Jireh. God, it's not our jobs. It's not the economy. It's not Wall Street. it's, It's none of those things. It's you. And, Lord, I just pray you would help us to see you is our provider. And Lord, we ask you if there's things that we're doing with our money that's displeasing to you, that you'd convict us. If we're doing things ignorantly or if we're doing things in out in rebellion with you in, the, in terms of our finances, that you'd show us, Lord, and we want to humble ourselves to you and give you the glory due your name. Amen. Pam Jolly. Bom dia. That's uh, good morning in Portuguese. Um, some of you know that I went to Brazil last year on a mission trip. I traveled with the Rick Bond Film Ministries with Rick and Mary Lucy to a mission down there that his father started some 50 years ago, and uh, it's continuing today. You want to put the family slide up? That's a family that we helped in Brazil, one of the many, and I want to talk about the family uh the programs down there a little bit. Uh, there is a feeding program that about 90 families uh, that the mission provides staples for on a monthly basis. In America, it's $25 worth of food, but down there, it's about uh, $60 to $70 worth of food, depending on what their rate is at the time. And many Americans support these families, and the reason they only have 90 is because they only have that many monthly contributors to that program that are committed to it. Uh, but the families don't stay in it forever. They come in, they do work with them, they get them productive, and they get them out and get them back into society. There's a medical and dental clinic that anyone who wants to off the streets or anyone can come in to get help with, and a, one of Rick's brothers actually runs that clinic. There is a clothing ministry there. Most of the clothes that I saw in Brazil on the children were clothes that... Uh, came from America that people had sent to them. Uh, there's a counseling program that helped the families that are they work with. They teach them parenting skills where there's uh, lacks. This particular family was a um, benefit of that, and uh, they also taught the husband some job training skills, and now he works in a church as a janitor. So it's, they're a, a success story. Uh, they also have a Methodist church that meets at the mission. And um, Samuel Bonfim, who was the originator, was a Methodist evangelist down there. And they say he started about 50 churches in Brazil and is called um, 
the Billy Graham of Brazil. So he was began one of the two or three men that began the Protestant movement in Brazil about 50 years ago. And they also built homes. They built about one or two homes a year at the cost of um, about 250, no, $2,500 a home, I believe. It may be more than that. Uh, most of their money comes from the United States. Um, the church itself is a very poor, the mission itself is very poor, and they give out everything they get in. Brazil does not have welfare programs like we do, so the only place people can get help is through churches or missions like this, and that's where they have to go. Uh, they're not educated. They cannot read. They cannot write. They can't even read their own name. They are very hard for them to get jobs for that reason. There is education there if you have birth certificates, but you have to be born in a hospital to have a birth certificate or a doctor present. And if you don't have the cash money to pay, you don't go to the hospital. So most of the children here are illiterate too, except for the ones the mission is helping them get birth certificates and helping them get them in schools along the way. Uh, the vision of our trip last December was to provide a Christmas party for the 90 or so families that the mission works with on a monthly basis. Oh, and the other thing they do is they provide, they have a soup kitchen that two days a week they have a, a real thick soup that they feed anyone that comes in off the street. And these people that they work with have kind of like places to live. We wouldn't call them homes like us, but they have something to live in and they have a place where they can find them. But the street people are called miserables and they have nothing. And so they come in two nights a week to get um, a, a thick soup to help provide their needs. Um, so our vision was to work with the 90 families that they have in their feeding program and that they counsel with. And our job was to take a Christmas to them. They celebrate Jesus at Christmas time. They've never had Christmas decorations, a party, or gifts, or anything. So we went down there with uh, decorations, Christmas trees, tablecloths, red plates, everything that we in America would have to decorate for Christmas, we had in suitcases. It was amazing. Plus, we took part of the food, and um, we took uh, approximately 300 uh, gifts to give to these children. Um, this is the picture of the party that we did of night. We fed them in three seatings. We had planned to feed about uh, four or five hundred people. I don't know how many we fed. And we had pots of food left over. Uh, God just tremendously multiplied uh, the food that we had there. Our meal consisted of turkey, green beans, a biscuit, a rice dish, uh, and a cornmeal dish that was called falafa, and it was like eating dry cornmeal. But the rice dish was good. And we had for dessert red velvet cake with cream cheese icing. They'd never had anything like that. And some of the ladies made American biscuits, so they, they didn't like the American biscuits. <laughs> for, they were cold instead of hot like we serve them. Okay, go to the next, the children. Oh, this is just them eating, and the children were so well-behaved. All these children, you'd think, oh, we're going to have a horrible time keeping them behaved, but they sat in their chairs. They didn't get up and run around. They didn't fight. They didn't throw food. They didn't do any of the things that I had in mind that they would probably do. Um, we actually gave out about 350 bags of children, and this, go ahead, yeah. Uh, this is that one family getting their bag, and um, uh, we had... Uh, a detailed list of who to get bags for. We took about 300 with us, but 
some of us had just collected odds and ends and had them in our suitcases and brought them down. We had about 50 more children than we thought we were going to have, and we had gifts for every one of them. So it was awesome. Um, at the end of the week, an altar call was given and um, during the Sunday worship service, and when it was given, about 20 people came forward to receive Jesus as their Savior, be baptized, and join the church. To them, it's all or nothing. It's not this, you do a little along, you do it all at one time. <laughs> and uh, that was one of the impressive things about Brazil and in this community is that they, they teach that kind of uh, salvation. There was one lady who came forward that day and said the church had been working with her for a long time. She heard all about Jesus. But she had idols and did not want to give them up. So she would not accept Jesus because she knew it meant giving all these things away. And that Sunday morning she came forward and said, I am ready to give my life to Jesus and throw all that stuff out. So um, it was pretty uh, awesome to see that. You can go to the next one. Uh, this is a slide of some of the children. We just lined up on the wall at the mission to take their picture. Well, I'm going again this December, and this year I've taken on a project for the trip. I'm gathering 170 gifts to take to these children. Now, this is what a gift looks like. It's a bag stuffed full. This is a gift for a one- to four-year-old. I've gotten the stuff for the infants and the one- to four-year-old. Somebody else is doing the next age group. And I pretty much had these done except for a few odds and ends, and the Lord impressed me that we needed to do something for the teenagers because we weren't. And um, we stopped at age 12, and I said, but the teenagers are still young, and they need something too. So Mary Lucy said, okay, my heart is to do 100. My faith is to say get 50. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where I am today. I have some of the stuff for the list. But I would, uh, I'm coming to you to ask your help to fill at least 50 bags for these uh, teenage children. Um, I've got four lists. I'll pass them down each row, and I'll gather them at the back after the church is over. Um, most of the items on the list are in groups of 10 items. You'll see some that'll say eight towels or 12 of something because when I've gathered from other places, I might be short one or two. So... Uh, there are fill-ins on that. So just look at the line you signed for. If the line is blank, it means 10, except for the flashlights and batteries. Since I'm asking for a flashlight and two sets of batteries to go with it, uh, I'm just asking for five because that'll be a little more. But most of the items you can get at the dollar store for around a dollar apiece. Um, <laughs> laugh, that's funny. <laughs> right. But... Um, so you're looking at $10 on one line for most of them. Some things might be a little more if you go to Walmart and get them. Um, and I'm asking that you would be very generous. And if you can fill two or three lines or four or five lines, do so. If your list is full and you haven't had a chance to contribute, the lines that have little dots over them means my faith was a little short to bring a whole 10 list. So sign your name under, over one of those dots. For every group of 10 we get, we'll do 10 more bags to fill them. Um, there's also a page in there if you would like to help fill them. Can you imagine there's about 12 items in each bag at least and stuffing 170 of them? I'm going to need help. So there's a sheet in there. Just sign your name on it with your telephone number if you want to help me 
and I'll call you when we get ready to do this. I have to have it completed by September 30th because these bags will go to Brazil the 1st of October with a mission group that's going down then, and they have to have them in time to organize them and put uh, who gets what. They'll actually get put names and bows and everything on the bag so the kid gets a personal gift with their name on it. So they have a lot of work, and I have to get them there. So if in the next two weeks uh, on Sundays, if you could bring these things back to me, I would greatly appreciate it. And I will say obrigada, which is the feminine way to say thank you in advance for all your help. So. We really appreciate what Pam's doing. Isn't that wonderful? This is opportunities. If you really want to serve the Lord, um, a lot of people say they do, but this is an opportunity to actually do it and uh, not just say it. So uh, I just want to give you a little challenge today. I think everybody uh, can afford 10 bucks for somebody who's not in a situation like we are in America. So I want to encourage you to, you know, to help Pam and, you know, what the Lord's trying to do through her in, in uh, Brazil. So, Lord, we want to thank you this morning. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for your wonderful sense of your pleasure upon us, Lord. And, Lord, there's just so much that you're just trying to do in our lives right now. We just want to give you the opportunity to change our hearts, change our minds, Lord. Um, Lord, this is a new day we're in, and we thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we just ask you for your anointing and to speak to us, Lord, and change our hearts, God. We ask you for your anointing to change our life, to implant things in us, Lord, that would, would be radical in our lives, Lord, that would radically affect us, Lord. Lord, we just ask you to release a prophetic power to us, Lord. At least prophetic power, Lord. Prophetic anointing, prophetic insight, God. We ask you for the, for the eyes of the eagle today. We could see, Lord. We could see the sun. We could see beyond what man could see, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we could get up there in the, in the heights with you today, Lord, and see, the, see what you're doing in a, in a major way, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we again want to pray for the backsliders today. Just... Just, uh, just get them, Lord. We just send you out to go get those backsliders, Lord. Get them. Holy Spirit, get them. Make them miserable. Make them unhappy. Make them, just wipe them out, Lord. Just knock their feet right out from under them. Let them know, Lord, that there's a, there's a futility in their life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Are y'all okay out there? Okay. Man, I tell you, the Lord's good at me. I tell you, turn to Ezekiel. I feel like the Lord is wanting to touch people. That's what I feel. I like that, too, when the Lord wants to touch you. Ooh. You know, it's, it really is, the Lord really is trying to do a lot of new things right now. He really is. Um, Ezekiel, everybody found that in the Bible? Old Testament? Pretty powerful. Ezekiel chapter 1. 
I want to try to share something with you that the Lord has really shown me recently um, that I, th- I think is pretty, pretty powerful. And so I'm asking the Lord to help me communicate what, what He's shown me. Um, I'm going to read Ezekiel 1, verse 1 through 10. Uh, and the reason I'm reading all this is just is really just the 10th verse is what I want to read, but it's, everything that happens up to the 10th verse is, is really great. It said, It came to pass in the, in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chabar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. It, isn't that, that's, that's powerful, isn't it? The heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. It gives you that exact day it happened. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's or whatever, his captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar, and, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. And then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it, radiating out of the mist like the color of amber out of the mist of the fire. And from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and their soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. These are pretty interesting characters that they, he was seeing. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. This is in the Bible. These are creatures. You know, I mean, these are real creatures. The hands of a man were under their wings on the four sides. And each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side, and each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and each of the four had the face of an eagle. Amen. Interesting. These rascals had four faces. Face of a man, I guess that would be in the front. I guess behind, back there, there was an old eagle face looking around. And it says uh, there was a lion face on the right side. And then on the left side, there was an ox face. So that's what these creatures looked like. They had four faces. You got one face, right? These had four faces. Now, recently I have... um, really been asking the Lord to speak to me through the Gospels. Um, because I feel like the, the Gospels, you know, that's, I feel like personally they're the most important books in the Bible. If you had to make them most important, I think the four Gospels are real important. And, and I've been reading a lot of stuff about people, what they had to say about the four Gospels. And, you know, there's some real crackpots out there that write stuff that people read and believe. Um, but this is something I sort of discovered. And this is not a unique discovery. In fact, I, I discovered it uh, through actually my, one of my study Bibles 
Um, but if you go and really start studying each gospel uh, individually, there is a theme in those gospels. And in other words, each one of those, each one of those accounts, they try to uh, communicate something a l little different from the other. You know, you don't understand what I'm saying? Like, the Gospel of John is, like, completely different from, from the Gospel of, of Mark. And as I began to really uh, look at this, uh, I felt like the Lord started speaking to me and showing me about these creatures. And you find these same creatures over there in Revelations 4, same exact ones. Uh, and, and they're the ones singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. And these same strange creatures with these four dimensions to them. And some people have attached the, um, these creatures' faces to the Gospels. Okay? And... So I want to tell you about that just for a second. Um, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, really, if you study the Gospel of Matthew, it, it really, the emphasis in Matthew is, is Jesus Christ is the King. That's the whole emphasis of that book. If you go and really study, in fact, the very first uh, verse in the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew 1.1, it, it starts out, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Son of David. In other words, it immediately establishes uh, that, they, that, that Jesus is the king. He comes from royal lineage. Uh, the second chapter talks about wise men coming to worship the king of Jews. Okay? The word kingdom appears in Matthew 50 times. The phrase kingdom of heaven appears 32 times in Matthew, and it does not appear anywhere else in any of the other Gospels. So, the lion is the king of the jungle, right? And what Matthew, what he really, his whole aspect, what he's really trying to communicate in his Gospel is this lion-like nature of Christ. Because I, those four creatures, this is what I believe about them. I believe those four creatures were in the presence of God. And they were beholding the glory of God. They were beholding how God is. And they were real, merely reflecting what they were beholding. They were reflecting God. Matthew starts talking about God, Jesus Christ, as being the king. He's the lion. And that's what those creatures are reflecting. They were reflecting that lion-like nature of Jesus Christ. And so Matthew, when he writes it, that's what he tries to, that's what he sees in Christ. He sees the leader. He sees the king. He sees the guy in charge. Are you with me? Let me go on. Talk about Mark. If you really study Mark, you find this to be the key verse in the book of Mark. Uh, I read it to you last week, uh, Mark 10, 44. Whoever you desires to be first shall be slave of all. In Mark's, in Mark's gospel, it has the least amount of things that actually Jesus said in any of the other gospels. His whole focus in the gospels is, 
what Jesus did. Jesus' servant attitude, his servant heart, how he served people, how he ministered to people and their needs. Really what portraying an ox, because an ox is a servant, right? An ox is a beast of burden. An ox is something you plow with in, in the ancient days. It was something that carried your loads for you. It's something that did something for you. It was a quiet beast. It wasn't roaring like the lion. He was just, you know, helping you. And that's really Mark's whole emphasis is to really show not necessarily Jesus' teachings, but how Jesus served man. That was Mark's emphasis. Y'all with me so far? Then you go over to the book of Luke. And the book of Luke deals with the humanity of Christ. The word Son of Man is a predominant phrase in the book of Luke. Okay? In other words, the first two chapters of the book of Luke, well, it gives us in-depth detail of Jesus' birth, of what happened with Jesus' birth. Uh, if you look at the genealogy in Luke, Luke chapter 3, and compare that to the genealogy that Matthew has, Matthew is tracing the genealogy of Jesus back through, through David and through Abraham. He was focused on that aspect of who Jesus is, where Luke brings it all the way back to Adam, emphasizing you know, the, the, the manhood of Christ. And every woman in this room should love Luke. That's right. You should, you should really love him because Luke really loves women. He talks more about women in the book of Luke than any of the Gospels. And also, if you read Acts, he's talking about women a lot. Luke likes the girls. He brings them forward in his, in his writings. Um, but also, there's another thing that's really predominant in the book of Luke is prayer. He really emphasizes there's a lot of praying that goes on in this book. Man prays, right? So you see, that's the face of man that Luke is projecting in his gospel. That's what he's trying to reflect is that nature of the Lord. And then you have, the, of course, the, the gospel of John. And the gospel of John really portrays more Christ as the Son of God. That's, you know, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. I'm the light of the world. It's, that's more that eagle, that heavenly aspect of Christ. That, that John tries to really communicate. In other words, if you really study the gospel of John, um, it's more about the thinking of Jesus, you know, and how he interacted on personal levels. You know, it really gives us insight to his praying and how he felt about things. You know, understand what I'm saying? Even though there are miracles and stuff in all of them, but it was more about who he is versus a lot of theological kind of stuff, more the eagle's view of, of Christ. Now, so you have these four Gospels, and four Gospel accounts, there's one Gospel, and you have four aspects, four aspects trying, you know, that God's trying to communicate about Himself, about His nature. And what I began to see is this. I begin to see uh, the Lord's uh, personality in these four aspects. I begin to see that there's not, no one gospel could have ever have, they could have never captured his personality adequately. Therefore, you have these strange beasts before the throne of God, seeing God in these, and that is the best way that God uh, decided that his, his personality would be communicated to us. It's through these four aspects, through the, through the line 
through the ox, through the man, through the eagle. Are you with me? And what it really did for me, it really made me really start beginning to see, you know, the Lord, Lord, I really don't, you know, this is, this is really revelation, Lord. I mean, I've really never thought about you in these terms together. I've never really, when I've sat down and looked at the Gospels, I've really never, you know, really reached into them like that and began to know you like that. You know, when I read Matthew, I've never really, really known, you know, you as the king that Matthew's really trying to say he's the king, he's the lion, he's the king of the jungle, he's the roaring beast, you know, that roars out at us and roars out at things and will rip his prey apart. You know, I've never, and, and it began to give me such an appreciation from the, for the Lord Himself. You know, and help me really to, to draw closer to Him. You know, and to, and to really have more of a worship of Him. And to know Him in a greater dimension than I've ever known Him before. I mean, that's really what it did for me. It really impacted me um, in the way I felt about the Lord. That was the first thing that it really, it really hit me with. Um, but I think there's more... I think there's more to it because I think one of the things the Lord was really showing me is this, is any one of those one natures alone is out of balance. You see what I'm saying? He would be out of balance if all he was was a lion. If all he was was that king. He would have, he would have been an out of balance God. We needed that ox. You know, who would ever be, who would ever be the leader among you must be the servant. You see, you've got to have both aspects, you know, working. Uh, how sad it would be if, if Jesus was only up there soaring in the heights, leaving us to muddle on the earth. He just wasn't just an eagle, but the eagle landed and walked with us like us. And so you see, God has this nature in Him where He's not only an eagle, but He's a man. He's not only a, a lion, but He's an ox. And that really, and it, and it, and it balances who God is. It, you, you see what I'm saying? I mean, this is really inadequate how I'm trying to say this. I know that. But it really gives us a greater view of who our God really is like. And what He really, how He really wants to express Himself to us. A much more balanced view than what we may tend to see Him as. Okay? They all work together in God, those four, four natures.